We are uh, in a series through Paul's letter to the church in Rome, uh, known appropriately as Romans, and our title this morning is Grafted In. We're in Romans 11, 16 to 24. If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness and the severity of God, severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And even then, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted, contrary to nature, into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? This is God's word. You may be seated. In the early part of uh, chapter 11, uh, as we saw last week, Paul's been explaining that, that God is not through with the nation of Israel just yet. And he provides a thoroughgoing answer to the question, has God rejected his people? The answer is affirm absolutely not. And he provides multiple points of evidence in uh, verse 16 in what serves as a transitional verse between the previous section and the one we're considering this morning. Paul introduces two metaphors for his points in this passage. And the first one involves dough, the, the bread kind of dough. Um, if the dough offered as first fruits is holy, he says, so is the whole lump or the whole loaf. And he's probably referring to God's instructions through Moses in Numbers 15, where God said through Moses, when you eat of the bread of the land, you shall present a contribution to the Lord. Of the first of your dough, you shall present a loaf as a contribution, like a contribution from the threshing floor, so shall you present it. Some of the first of your dough you shall give to the Lord as a contribution throughout your generation. So all food, before it was eaten, had to be offered to God. So the law laid it down that if dough was being prepared, the first part was to be offered to the Lord. And when that was done, the whole lump of dough, the whole batch of bread, all the loaves that came from that initial lump were sacred. It wasn't necessary, as it were, that every mouthful of food be offered to the Lord. Uh, the offering of the first part sanctified the whole batch. The part of the dough offered as first fruits, I think, represents the first Jewish converts, the, the first from among Israel to acknowledge Jesus as Messiah and to transfer their trust to him. And because they are set apart by God, a, a much larger movement of Jews Converting to faith in Jesus can be anticipated in the future. And that's, that's really the major theme of what Paul is trying to communicate here. And 
if you're not familiar with these Romans 9 through 11, and you're wondering about what God has in mind for Israel in the future, uh, if they have any future at all, uh, check it out, because you'll never gonna, you're never going to get this on the evening news. But God tells us what his plan for Israel is, and he's not done with Israel yet. Paul anticipates this great turning of Israel in the last days, uh, a massive return of the Jews to faith in Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. So from that affirmation about the dough, it's an easy step for Paul to recognize the, the patriarchs, the, the early fathers of Judaism, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, represented in verse 16 by the root, were sacred, he says, to God. If the root is holy, so are the branches. If the root is holy, the, if, if Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were separated into God, called by him, chosen by him, if they were holy, so then are the branches. So that the patriarchs, in a special way, uh, heard God's voice, obeyed God's word. In a special way, they had been chosen and consecrated by God. So that the entire nation of Israel traces their lineage, uh, whether it's ethnic or religious, to the patriarchs. And just as the offering of the first portion of the dough made the entire batch of bread holy, Paul's painting another metaphor. He says the faith of the patriarchs themselves made the nation of Israel holy, set apart the nation of Israel to God as his special possession. And then in verses 16 to 24, Paul develops what I'm just calling an allegory of the olive tree. Uh, what is an allegory? If you remember your English classes and didn't sleep through them, you, you remember that it's a, a story of, or a picture with a hidden meaning. Um, you know, various levels of, of being hidden, but each of the characters or elements of an allegory symbolizes a particular person or an idea. So um, you might think of Pilgrim's Progress, if you ever had the privilege of reading that, or, or the Chronicles of Narnia. So so let's start by identifying an animal house <laughs> would be another. So let's start by identifying um, the elements, not animal house, animal farm, right? So well, let's start by thinking the wrong place. You're thinking Belushi. You're not thinking correctly here. So let's start by identifying the elements in Paul's allegory and what each one symbolizes. We've already seen... <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Now I'm thinking about animal house. <laughs> Seeing Belushi in a toga. We, we've already seen that the root in verse 16 represents the patriarchs. The branches are the believing Jews. The broken branches are accordingly unbelieving Jews. That is, they're Jews who have failed to recognize or believe in Jesus of Nazareth as their Messiah. John wrote of Jesus in the first chapter of his gospel that he came to his own, the Jews, and his own did not receive him. Uh, the wild shoot here represents Gentiles who have believed in Jesus, uh, who have recognized him for who he is, the Son of God, the only Savior, and have transferred their trust to him. By the way, the word Gentile it just means everybody that's not a Jew. The others, which is kind of that vague term in verse 17, are the faithful remnant of Jews who have believed in Jesus and accepted him as their Messiah. And then finally, the final element that Paul points to or, or describes as the nourishing sap from the root of the olive tree. Um, 
which I think may be a reference either just to the richness of biblical Judaism into which uh, we have been grafted. It also may be a reference to the gospel of justification by faith alone. And Paul has made that point, hasn't he, throughout this letter, that justification has always been by faith, beginning with Abraham. Abraham believed God. It was credited to him as righteousness. And so justification has always been by faith. It's not just a New Testament feature. And so that may be what he's referring to in regard to the nourishing sap from the root of the olive tree. In modern times, some people have taken the Apostle Paul to task here. Um, They point out that uh, according to normal procedure, grafts uh, must come from branches of a cultivated olive tree uh, and be inserted into a wild stock and not the other way around as Paul presents it. And, and not only that, but they, they claim that the reverse process, as he, as he presents it, has never been practiced and would be entirely useless. And yet in 1905, a long time ago, a guy named Sir William Ramsey, who was a, a Scottish chemist who won the Nobel Prize in, in 1904, wrote an interesting article, which is still quoted in all the commentaries on Romans. And he says this, that the process Paul described was still in use in Palestine in exceptional circumstances. For it is customary to reinvigorate an olive tree, which is ceasing to bear fruit, by grafting it with a shoot of the wild olive, so that the sap of the tree ennobles this wild shoot, and the tree now again begins to bear fruit. It just fits the picture so well. Here here are Gentile believers who are coming to Christ. They get inserted into the cultivated olive tree of Israel. They graft it in. They're now in a better neighborhood. And and uh, the result is that the, the cultivated tree, which is not was no longer bearing fruit, starts bearing fruit again. And his reference, therefore, is not, he says, to the ordinary process of grafting the young olive tree, but to a method of stimulating new growth and fruitfulness in an older olive tree that has stopped bearing fruit. That's, that's really what all of the prophets were saying. It's what Jesus was saying. It's why the Pharisees were always so unhappy with him, is that he was pointing out their, their fruitlessness. In this case, he goes on, what is contrary to nature, according to verse 24, is not the grafting but the belonging, namely that the shoot has been cut from the wild olive tree to which it naturally belonged and has been grafted into the cultivated olive tree to which it does not naturally belong. Very helpful, I think, isn't it? And Paul develops two themes in this allegory. One one focuses on the branches that have been broken off, the unbelieving Jews. The other focuses on the wild shoot grafted in, and the two themes teach Two lessons that complement each other. The first one is a warning to Gentiles, Gentile believers, about presumption in verses 17 to 22. And the second is a promise to unbelieving Israelites about the prospect of being grafted in again. So let's begin with that warning about presumption. First of all, he says, don't be arrogant toward the branches. Do not be arrogant toward the branches. But if some of the branches were broken off and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. Don't be arrogant because you don't naturally belong to God's people. You don't really have a claim to any of this. Don't don't look down on the branches, but remember who you are. Uh, You were an uncultivated wild shoot grafted in. Nobody's ever called me that. Anybody ever called you that? That's what Paul is saying. He had no claim to the benefits of God's people. 
but now the sap that nourishes your spiritual life and, and your new status before God is, is being, brought, being drawn up from the same root as theirs, the, the root of Israel. And secondly, he says, remember, it's not you who support the root, but the root supports you. You say root or root? <laughs> Depends on where you grew up, I think. Not you who support the root or the root, but the root supports you. That's important to remember. Remember your dependency on the root, he's saying. Branches have no life in themselves. Do you remember Jesus said in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. You know, if you abide in me, you're going to bear fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Branches have no life in themselves. The, their life depends on being vitally connected to the root. And then 30 says, don't become proud. Don't become proud, but fear. Then you'll say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. Look how cool I am. Those guys got ejected so that I could come in. And Paul says that's kind of true. They were broken off because of their unbelief, but, but you stand fast through faith. So don't become proud, but fear, for if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. There, you know, there are parts of Christianity, you may have been exposed to them, who would say that you know, God just has rejected Israel, and Paul's been trying to counter that here, but it still lingers even these thousands of years later, people saying God's done with the Jews, that the church has replaced Israel um, in God's kingdom. But nothing here supports that thought. Nothing could be further from the truth. But it is that attitude that Paul's addressing here. There's an attitude of superiority that says God broke off the branches of unbelieving Israel and grafted us in, and now we're the special ones. We have a special claim. And Paul's saying, remember the reason they were broken off. They were broken off, not, not just so you could be added in. They were broken off because of their unbelief. And he adds, uh, remember also the basis for your stability. It's not your religious works. It's not your paternity. It's not your ethnicity. You, you have no claim to the blessings of Israel other than your faith. You stand in grace, Paul said earlier. You've met people who say, well, I'm, I'm a Christian because my parents were. Well, no, it didn't work that way. You have no claim to the blessings of Israel other than the faith in which you stand. So Paul says, don't become proud, but fear. And, and that phrase, become proud, is literally don't become high-minded. Don't, don't exalt yourself in your mind over the unbelieving Jews. Recognize that we all, all of us, Jew and Gentile alike stand before God as unworthy sinners. None of us are worthy of our salvation. Instead, Paul tells them to fear, which is not you know, to, to be afraid of God. It's rather to, to adopt an attitude of reverence toward God, awe toward him that, that includes the full realization that our only standing before him is by grace, by grace, and, th and that is exclusively on the basis of faith. And even that, Paul says, and over and over again, is, is the gift of God. You don't, faith is not something we self-generate. It's not something we do. If you, if you, if you have the faith to, to trust in Christ, that faith itself is a gift from God. It's an enablement from Him. Fourth, he says, note the kindness and the severity of God. Interesting 
interesting turn of, of a phrase there. No, note then the kindness and the severity of God, severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. But God's kindness here is his goodness. Uh, that, that meets our needs without even a, a hint of blaming or harshness. He doesn't point the finger at us. But it just extends his mercy, extends his grace, extends his kindness, extends his patience toward us. And God's severity, by contrast, is the exercise of his justice, which is always impartial and which is always stern, unyielding. And Paul said earlier that nothing and no one will ever separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. You remember that? So is Paul saying something different here? No, Paul's not saying something different. It's not that those who truly belong to him will ever be rejected by him. But he's saying, look, here's, here's the test of authenticity. Are you continuing? Are you persevering? It's not that, are you ever stumbling? Yeah, you're always stumbling. I'm always stumbling. Always. All day, every day. I think, how, how could God ever, you know, just keep putting up with the likes of me? But he does. And so I'm willing to receive that and, and keep walking with him. Um, but, but Paul's here talking about an, a, a test, an authenticating test of, of God's children. Do we persevere? We don't persevere even in our own strength. We persevere, we endure, we, we continue in his kindness only by his grace. And then Paul closes this thing, and I'm going to close this thing because my clock says 12 noon. He closes it with a promise about the prospect of restoration, a promise to, to unbelieving Jews about the prospect of restoration. And even they, that is, unbelieving Jews, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in, for God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more, argument from the lesser to the greater, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? And so there's a promise here that, that Jews who trust in Jesus Christ as Savior can be grafted back into the olive tree, even though they've been broken off by their unbelief, because God not only has the power to do it, but he has the willingness to do it. He has the heart. He has the passion to do it. What was contrary to nature was grafting in the Gentiles. You and I. What should be and is the most natural thing in the world is that Jewish believers, the natural branches of the cultivated olive tree, that have been broken off by unbelief, should be restored by faith to the family of God. So Paul's saying here, look, you Gentiles, you wild shoots, you, don't be arrogant. Don't be prideful. Don't exalt yourself over your Jewish, your, now your Jewish family members. But be thankful. Be thankful. Be reverential toward God for your salvation. And, and pray. As we saw last week, and I'm going to just keep saying this for a little while, keep praying for the restoration of Israel to faith in Jesus, their Messiah. Pray that God will open the eyes of the, of the Israelites and, and understand who Yeshua really is. Let's pray. 
Lord, thank you so much for uh, your word. Thank you for this encouraging morning. Thank you for sunshine today. It warms us and encourages us. And Lord, thank you that uh, your grace and your kindness toward us in Christ were, were, were rich and full and, and all-sufficient, that uh, you have provided everything we need for salvation. And uh, so, Lord, just make us humble, thankful, grateful that uh, you have included the likes of us in your kingdom. And we do pray, Lord, for that day when, when that great awakening that Paul is talking about will happen in Israel that will literally change the world. And Israel will become the, the missionary force that uh, you always intended them to be. Lord, in our time and in our place, help us to be that same missionary force. Help us to reach the people around us that don't know Christ. Because without you, they're going to an eternity separated from you. Let that move us, Lord, with compassion. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.